interesting to hear upon at first, but, you know, we had a lot of peace about it. We knew that God had placed us in that community for a certain reason, for us to grow and, um, and all that. So, but a lot of people there um, are the poor middle class, um, but very, and this is one man, his name is Baton. Um, he's a little squished right now, but he's actually quite tall. Um, <laughs> and uh, Paton is um, Bigfoot, and he was, um, he's taken to drugs and very interesting man. So we met a lot of people like that, but all of them very lost, but seemingly very content people um, with their lives. Very safe neighborhood, very friendly. We felt very much at home, and we really, we really enjoyed it. Um, I know the first night... Um, we came home after getting some groceries, and we locked up our first gate, and then we locked up our other second gate, and then we locked up our third gate, and so which made us feel very secure, but also the first night, I think we felt like we were in a jail sale, and that didn't feel great. I think after a few nights, we started to feel like this is our home, this is our community, and we opened our doors wide open, and it was we had a lot of peace. So. Um. If you were around for for our departure, we had some interesting news about a month before we planned to leave that the place we were going to stay um, had been damaged too badly by a hurricane, and so the the owner had moved us into a different property of hers in a totally different part of town, um, and it was a, a bit of a shock. But we just decided to roll with it to see what happened, and what we got was right next door. You'll, the one shot showed is kind of a duplex thing. Um, amazing neighbors. Um, Mike is from Oregon, and Luli, it pictured there, is from that neighborhood, grew up in that neighborhood. And uh, she has three daughters, so there's, uh, they're around our age, a little younger, and grandkids. And they really made us feel welcome, worked us through all of the different you know, language barrier issues with um, utilities and water and things like that, and, and always were, a, um, were there at a moment's notice if we needed anything. Um, Ben had, yeah, there's Mike on the, there we, we climbed up to the top of the lighthouse. Um, uh, Michelle lives, lived in the house next door as well, and her, she's the same age as Ben, so her and Ben got along really well. And you probably saw that in the, in the photos that they're always hanging out together. Um, I think one of the first things we noticed was sensory overload in the first um, week living downtown um, compared to in a touristy area. Um, I think Daryl and I noticed a little bit more than the kids. I think it kind of just went right over their heads, which is thankfully a good thing. Um, but even though we lived in a quiet neighborhood, there was always noise. There was fireworks, people selling things, loudspeakers, um, wanting your, your used um, metal tin for money, popcorn trucks, tamales from a motorbike, the water truck. There was a restaurant near a house that played music constantly, the markets, um, roosters, dogs, people yelling at, e- people yelling at each other just to say hi. Um, and, you know, the list goes on. But um, once we got used to it, we just, we just really loved it, um, honestly. And it was hard to leave it. But... Um, and it's like getting used to a lot of things when you go somewhere else, getting used to the shopping, um, figuring out where to get this, where to get that, figuring out buses. And, you know, we walked everywhere, so it was really great for the kids to um, experience real Mazatlan. Um, and, yeah, so we saw a lot. This was a shrimp 
it was a it was a block about five minutes from our house. It was called the Shrimp Ladies, and they sold shrimp every morning, um, pretty much seven days a week. So that was really very interesting, but also very gross in a lot of ways because it was very stinky. Um, so, anyways, yeah. yeah. Don't buy shrimp in the afternoon. Just FYI. Um, the, the advantage of Mazatlan is it's an amazing resort beach community. And um, so, hey, can you go back a slide, Dustin? Um, just above kind of Jody's head, there's a, a bit of an apartment there. Our house was literally right behind that. So we could be on that beach in about three minutes, and it stretched for about 10 kilometers. Go ahead and play, Dustin. Um, so we had a lot of times we would just go down to the beach, walk, swim, all that kind of thing. Um, there's also um, most of the resorts will let you, especially being a tourist, will let you in and use their pools. Um, so we spend a, you know, we we would do that as an activity to take the kids out and swim. And um, Emily became a much stronger swimmer, much braver, and Ben learned to swim. So it's kind of a neat environment. But the the scenery was just amazing. It's a very beautiful city. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we went down there to work um, with the Vineyard Church, and. We had been down uh, the year before and had had spent a couple days of our vacation and and gone on a few of their projects. Um, the vineyard was started by or Vineyard Mazatlan was started by this fellow here. His name's Fred Colum, um, and he's been in Mexico for over thirty years. Um, he has, I think, it was about twenty years ago. He had he had come down from the mountain area into Mazatlan and had had made that that first church and then what they've what they've started to do is to work in in the various poor areas um all done with largely volunteer labor um carlos here is i want to say about 19 or 20 and he's everywhere um and so you not only is it volunteer labor from here you know retirees but it's a lot of nationals that, that volunteer and so they put the community centers in these areas uh and the, the buildings develop over time you know first they start with a patch of dirt, and then a cement floor, and then a roof, and and they build themselves up. Um, but they're really focused on um, on on making a real change to these communities. These are very broken families, broken areas. Um, there's uh, songs that we sung last week, um, and there's some of the lyrics that I just they jumped out at me last week that really fit with the model of how the, how these guys conduct their their mission is. Um, so let us see your kingdom come to the poor and broken ones. Um, let us be your laborers working side by side. The, the amount of volunteer work that makes us run is amazing. Um, multiply your church through us to the lost and the least. Where there's only barrenness, let there be new birth. One of the shots, and it comes around here. Yeah, this one here. Um, if I don't, I mean, that's barren. <laughs> it's It's the hottest, dustiest, most uncomfortable place to go serve, but the kids are amazing. Um, and I saw the uh, a rendering for what this is going to look like in a year. It's going to be quite neat. Um, and then as we settled, we knew that it would be very wise to give us ourselves a few weeks. Um, but then after a few weeks, we kind of wondered, 
okay, now what? We've, we've relaxed, we've slept in, we've drank coffee, we've gone to the beach, all that. Um, but after a while, that gets, that gets, um, it gets old. Um, hard to believe, but it does. Um, without some sort of purpose, I guess. And um, so our finding our calling was, I think, different for each of us. And I think it happened very differently. And um, I'm going to call up Emily um, now. But before we left in November, um, everyone donated rainbow looms uh, to our trip. And you donated so many rainbow looms that we had to get an extra bag and pack it and get it there, So, which was really wonderful. And it was our intention to take the bracelet, take the looms and take them to the colonials and teach the kids how to make bracelets. So we did that and they did, they did really enjoy that. But it seemed, I would say, it just didn't seem right. Something was missing. And I think Emily was quite discouraged and I, I actually kind of was too, to be honest. And, hi Jojo. And um, I just remember saying to Emily, you know, Everyone donated these bands, and God has a huge plan for this. I have no idea what it is, but you have to trust this process and that it will show up, and we just need to be patient. So, um, so Emily, how do you think you can turn your back? How do you think that you, you know, found your calling? Would you say? Well, I enjoyed making bracelets, but I didn't know that they could turn into this. Well, I was overhearing in one of the church meetings, and they said that the, f- the money, the donations they get for the f- feeding program was always taken out too quickly, so I decided to raise some money for it. So how many, um, how much pieces did you raise? Um, 6,200. Uh, 6, and then with a, a donation match that was going on, someone doubled one of those. So it was about 8,200. And I, I did the math on the per meal thing, and it just shy of 1,100 meals that she, that she raised. So that was really... Um... So, so effectively, that was... There, Saturdays are major feeding day. So effectively, that was like she ran the operation. She funded the operation for one of the Saturdays. Just absolutely amazing that she did it with tiny little elastic bands. Yeah, and everyone was very generous on there to buy her um, bracelets. It was super, super awesome to see. So in getting ready to go, I was I was kind of prepared for anything and everything and nothing at the same time. I didn't really have any preconceived notions about what we were going to do. Um, we felt very magnetically drawn that we had to go, and it didn't totally make sense, um, largely because we hadn't had a lot of contact with anyone down there yet. Um, and... And so I prepared, you know, photo equipment. Uh, I brought foot care supplies. I, I was kind of ready for all of the things that I knew I had experience in, um, but wasn't holding on. Like if I didn't do any of it, I didn't really wasn't going to be disappointed. Um, and it wasn't really until I think early January. So we'd been down there for a while, and and we were going volunteering alongside their projects, but we really hadn't done anything that you know um, that was unique. Um, and so I started getting involved in some foot care scenarios. I had mentioned that that I can help kids with this, and the word started to get around. So uh, the first guy I saw was Christopher, um, and he's 
the people that I saw, I didn't see very many, but they had very unique cases. He had a, a condition. I'd, I need to do some more research on what it actually is. But basically, one of his um, calf muscles is just permanently flexed. And so he walks on his toes and in toes and all kinds of things. And, um, you know, fortunately, um, I had everything that I needed um, with the exception of one piece, which I phoned up a friend here and he was able to get it to my parents to bring down. Um, so I was kind of connected enough to, to help this guy. And this, this is actually at the end, the last checkup I did with him. And it was just amazing transformation, um, that little bit of knowledge and do this stretch, do this exercise, you know, add these appliances. He made such a huge, uh, huge change. The next fellow I saw, um, his name was Jesus. Um, interesting. And uh, this was the second last week. So I had gone, you're talking about purpose. I mean, I, I worked in this industry for years, and I really expected to do more, I guess. But this was like the second, probably 10 days to go. And it, to me, it really kind of culminated my journey because uh, I'm out taking pictures as part of a different project. And I see this kid coming. He's got cerebral palsy. He can't walk without a walker. So imagine pushing like a, you know, grandparent old uh, walker on a very rocky, dirty road. Like, it was impossible. And then add the fact that he has no control over the muscles in the front half of his body, so he's always tripping over his toes. And without really thinking, I said to somebody, like, I have the braces for this kid that'll make a difference. And it wasn't until, you know, about 4 o'clock the following morning when they were all set to come down to meet us in the... the city center that I was like, do I? <laughs> I know I had a box of stuff that, uh, that my, uh, a colleague of mine had donated. And I, for a moment, was like panicking, like, I don't know if I have his sizes. I don't know if I have both, both sides. And, and then I felt kind of a peace come over me, like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I got this. And so I just, we literally went into church. They were meeting us right afterwards. I walked into the supply room, and I was like, well, this is the only pair of these braces that I have. I hope that they fit. I hope they fit perfectly because I don't have the tools to modify them. And can you go back to the one of the fitting? Um, in all my years of fitting these, I've never seen a brace fit a foot and a shoe more perfectly than that. It was the most amazing thing. It reminded me of Curtis telling a story in Guatemala with, you know, the last pair of shoes fit the guy perfectly, you know. Um, you know, and these have been sitting in a store for 15 years, and the guy finally got frustrated and donated them. And they had a purpose, and they had a purpose for him. Um, seeing him stand up, he, um, I was asking the mom, and we had translators and whatnot, you know, like, is this normal for him? How does he normally walk without the walker? And they said he doesn't walk without the walker. Um, so he was literally taking his first steps unaided. Uh, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. So, like, that alone, I mean, it came at the end, but that alone, I was like, if I came down here for six months and everything that we did for this, that was, you know, I'm done. That was awesome. The, um, where am I? Ultimately, what I got involved in, the more I kind of got connected with these guys, um, they were, they were looking for somebody with, you know, computer experience. And, um, given that I was probably half the age of the next youngest person there, they instantly like, hey, do you know how to do this? And I'm like, sure, enough, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we started working on what I thought was a fairly simple project. And then the more we dug, um, 
the the deeper things dug, it got it got interesting. Um, stepping back a little bit, we felt this really magnetic draw to go that we couldn't explain, and we just had to be obedient and just go. Um, like it didn't make sense. And and, the, and Fred, when you know when we kind of got this connected, Fred's like, well. I might have had a part of that because I've been praying nonstop for a year for somebody to come down and, you know, fill in the gaps of what we need. And so we assemble the team um, to work on their child sponsorship program. So what, you know, we've seen different things here with the different kids and the, and the community centers. And they do a lot, of, a lot of work in feeding kids, not just uh, physically with food, but also emotionally and spiritually and whatnot. And they, they've developed a sponsorship uh, like a child, a unique one-on-one child sponsorship, to really help with some of the the budget challenges that they've had. Uh, Emily caught on the fact that, you know, our feeding account is always zero. She did her part, um, and they they twigged the fact that we can't just keep feeding kids out of you know general funds. We need to find a way to connect people to them. Um, the challenge with it was that if you take a lot of goal-oriented people at a project that has the kind of scope that this does, I mean, we're talking about fifteen hundred children at this point. Um, managed with paper files and uh, um, Excel and things like that. Um, it, it didn't have any process behind it, you know. And they meant well, and, and you know, it, it was kind of working. So there was a team of us, and it was amazing that each one of us in the team we couldn't have done it without each other. And so it wasn't me. It wasn't just me, and it wasn't just Roland and all the people involved. It was the right personalities, the right timing, everything, and. We took the program to the ground and rebuilt it, um, and and we're still in the process of that right now. We're um, they're out surveying each of these kids, um, name it, you know, names and that kind of stuff, and pictures, and uh, we've got software that is going to manage that online. And then I um, uh, I worked on work with them to build a website that would promote it. Um, so, Dustin, if you don't mind sharing that. So their sponsorship program, um, unlike a lot of other ones, it's less than nine dollars a month, um, and what they're what they're doing is there's so much volunteer labor. Um, you know, can you, you imagine like a World Vision pays somebody like me and like Roland and the people part, part of my team. We were all volunteering, and that's what allows them to take you know every dollar that comes down. Uh, if you scroll on that chart there, I. Th- uh, I think that it's um, 93% goes back, like goes out to the field. Um, and so they've, they've really worked on, on being able to deliver quality for that. Um, you can't, you can't um, say that you're going to you know, feed somebody and not feed all of them, right? Um, so you have to feed you know, the food and, and the very practical thing. That's where they built their community centers, um, on that premise that you're feeding the whole of a person. You're feeding their mind, you're feeding their spirit. Um, so the, the sponsorship program, uh, you know, it feeds them a meal. They have a big Christmas party every year. They take these kids on a trip, uh, you know, to the beach, to the zoo, things that, that an underprivileged kid living out kind of in the slums would never get to experience. Um, they give them a pair of shoes, they give them school supplies. There's a lot of encouragement to, like, understand the kids, encourage them into school, and try to break the cycle that they're in. The poverty cycle um, is largely perpetuated by lack of education. So that's a huge kind of component. And, and every kid's situation is different. Um, some of the kids are very, very broken homes, very dysfunctional. 
Um, you can always tell that when you go in. The kids without a strong father figure, I mean, they're all over you. The kids without a strong mother figure, you know, they mob Jody. The, you know, the kids were just like really lonely. They, they'll glom onto one of the kids. And, and the only way to really help them is to get on the ground with them consistently and learn these kids. Um, so I, I really feel strongly about what they're doing and what I'm part of with this sponsorship program. So at this point, Daryl has found his calling and why he's down there, and I sort of sat back wondering, okay, that's great. Great for him, but what about me? Um, so I was getting impatient, and, and, um, and one day, Ben and I went out for a skateboard, and I was jogging, and I was listening to worship music, and that's just one of the ways that I hear God is through music, and I just felt like God saying to me, um, you know, Jody, you need to have some more patience, and you just need to trust me, and you need to just enjoy the beauty around you, because this was, you know, six weeks in, and I'm getting anxious and impatient, um, which seems to be a theme, but um, yeah, and I just had this peace over me um, after that morning that I just needed to wait, and um, so I think part of my role was while Daryl was busy working on websites and whatnot, um, my role was homeschooling the kids and taking care of them, and, and um, I had a huge role in making sure that Emily was always uh, had her rainbow loom. She was um, making bands whenever she could. She worked very hard at that. So trying to motivate her and encourage her, and um, so that was a lot of my role. And I think it was, it was hard for me to be in that role all the time because I think Daryl and I usually share the parenting roles. We both work out of the home. So I think it was an adjustment for me to just be at home and be with the kids pretty much 24-7. But by the grace of God, we didn't um, kill each other. And I know we did have some really rough days that I was the worst teacher ever. And there were days when they were the worst pe- uh, students ever, if we're really honest. Um, so... So yeah, so I just fit into that role, and I knew that it was it was six months, and it was just kind of you know suck it up, Buttercup, and we'll get through this six months. <laughs> there was a lot of moments, you know, for me, I had, you know, as much as I didn't really have expectations, you always are going to have some, and you know, so being out like this with my little buddy, she was on me for three hours, um, along with some of her other friends. I felt like Aaron Franson with you know the tallest guy around with kids draped all over you. Um, and, you know, if I had spent a lot of time in the office and meetings and, you know, what felt very, very boring, you go out on a Saturday and you have an experience like that and it regrounds you to, like, this is why we're doing this. This is why we've decided to make a change and, and invest ourselves is, um, it, you know, me playing with her or different kids that we connected with over, you know, each time we go see them, it doesn't seem like much, but it's also pretty huge. Um, one of the really consistent themes that you'd hear... Um, from the kids, a lot, a lot of times from the mothers, but from the kids as well, is that is that when, um, like for, like for instance, uh, everybody here, or a lot of people here, donated money um, for the for a shoe distribution. So we had gone out to a specific colonia and given them shoes. And what they always say when something like that's happening is like, we're so grateful that somebody else out there cares about us, because they're out in the middle of nowhere and things are really really hard for them, and. And there's, uh, Mexicans are, are amazingly positive given their circumstances, but, um, you know, they notice that. They, they're so amazed that people out there would, would care. And when they find out that you're 
you know, volunteering months of, at a time. They're like, that's like, they're just, they're awestruck by it. And largely because I don't think that they're not in a position to do it, but they're just, they're like, thank you. Thank you for caring for, um, you know, for my family, for that family, for even, even meeting people in the markets that were, you know, maybe more middle class, they were still just like, thank you so much for doing that for our, for our people. Um, some of the experiences that we had, um, this is what 400,000 people at a beach looks like. Um, That's actually two minutes from our house. So um, that was the week that the Schachters came to visit us. So we stayed away from that area. Yeah. One of the things I was going to say was, um, I think into December, um, we hadn't really had our purpose yet of why we were there. And um, I know Emily wasn't really quite that homesick, but Ben, Ben really was. And that was, um, I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit as to, you know, know oh, sorry. (laughs) Well, anyways, apparently you weren't there. (laughs) And uh, so Ben was quite homesick and he was just, I want to go play with my friends in the complex. I want to go play outside. And we're trying to tell him like, it's raining there. Your friends are not in the complex. They're not looking for you. Um, And so that was really hard to explain to a seven-year-old why you're there, that there is a greater greater purpose. And I think um, it's hard seeing your child in that place. And I think Daryl just had to he was starting the website at that point, so he was able to physically show him, this is why we're here, so he could physically see, this is the website, this is who we're helping. And whether that helped or not, I'm not, not, not really sure, but um, I think it's because of everyone's prayers and um, concern that, you know, Ben made it through and Ben's okay. So yeah. <laughs> He was kind of the last to come around, I think. He'd be up and down. Uh, Emily, as soon as she got onto the band thing, like that really helped tip her to like, I like it here. I like being part of this. I have a purpose. Ben is, you know, he got in, he would work like crazy, um, you know, any, any chance that he got, but he, you know, he's also seven, so he's probably a bit more fickle. Um, what we, um, you know, kind of towards the end of our trip and, and even, um, even now we're looking at, at the experience and, you know, I remember when we were up on the screen on FaceTime a couple months ago, um, and we were kind of being asked, like, well, what did you sacrifice to go down there? And it's really easy to answer that with, you know, you know, different things. That, obviously, the, the kids gave up their friends and their complex, and, and we gave up, you know, some of our great friends and our family, and lots of things like that. You know, we stopped working. We, we left the security of having a job, well, have, we're self-employed, but to, like, we have no idea what we're coming home to. Um, and so you could chalk it up that way, but what we challenged ourselves with was to change our perspective on that. And changing our perspective changes our attitude towards it. And instead I was looking at, like, well, what did I trade? What did I trade for the experience? Not, I don't care what people say, sunsets aren't like that every night, but there certainly was many. Um, you know, you're out on a night like that, you know, like, what did I trade to be here to experience that? What did I trade to be in a position to fit a brace for this kid and make like a significant change. I can't wait to see him next time we go down. Um, you know, and, and I could have all these things chalked up on my hand. And I'm like, I, I feel like we got the better end of the trade if, you know, if I'm being really honest. Um, that really didn't cost us that much to, to make a trade, to have the, that experience, um, to be part of something ongoing, to, to see our kids develop, to have, you know, like they found a sea turtle, like you know, most people read about those in a book, and Ben had it in his hand. Um, you know, we had a pet iguana that fell in the backyard that we <laughs> he couldn't get back out, so we finally let him out two days ago. But you know, 
those are yeah, those are things that just don't happen. So it's quite neat. The other thing that's been quite amazing there is um, is just being part of the community that that, that Vineyard Church is. Um, it really gave us a, a a sign as to what the greater the big church should look like because. You know, it's a vineyard denominational church that's staffed, well, not staffed, but, like, populated by people from every conceivable church in North America. And they all work alongside each other on, you know, on the same mission. Um, and so, there's, you know, there isn't squabbling in politics and all that kind of stuff that generally is a detractor for, for church. It just was, like, people coming together, making some sacrifice, or however you want to frame that, but... and and working alongside, and, and we've just met some amazing people um, that, you know, that I think have blessed our lives so much um, and look forward to being involved with them in the future. One thing that uh, we wanted to do uh, is give you the opportunity to ask Daryl and Jody some questions that maybe are percolating in your mind uh, from some of the things that, that they've shared. Um, one question maybe would be, so you guys went and kind of represented and uh, Jericho Ridge. What are ways that individuals here or families here, and now that you've been there on the ground, could get involved in different ways? There's a a bunch of ways. Um, um, you know, we we all did it with uh, you know pooling money together f- towards a project. We were able to to give shoes to a community and and feedings and things like that that it went to. And so that's I mean that's a very easy answer that that organizations like this that are on the ground. We've had to cap the programs at a certain amount because you just can't afford to feed kids. But if they had more money, they would go out. Like finding kids is not the problem. <laughs> um, what I feel like my my role there with a, with a team of guys is like we're trying to give the back end so that we can scale from fifteen hundred kids to four thousand kids because they're out there and there's there's more need than you can meet. Um, there's what what compelled us to go the first time we had gone down. My parents had had invited us down to stay with them, and it's such an approachable organization. You can you know we were on vacation and we gave probably three parts of three different days to go out with them. And that, that alone was enough of a hook for us to go back. Um, so it, you can really, you know, they have teams that come down and do the full team thing. Um, they have people who just pop in and go out and do, you know, a few hours here or there. There really isn't, it's, you know, it's kind of like a la carte. You can, you know, direct some of your vacation time towards a project and go out and, and truly help them because they need the, they need the labor, um, you know, to get these projects done. Um, you know, I'd like to see, um, you know, for our church, I'd like to see organizing a team and taking teams down there, whether it's teens or, um, or people like, you know, trades, um, they desperately need help with skilled trades. Um, I'd like to, you know, coach families down there. We brought uh, Jody's brother, came down with their kids and we took the kids out. Um, Tyler and Lindsay brought Theo and, and, you know, Theo went out to the dump with us, and and so it really is kind of approachable at almost any level, um, at any age, kids of almost any age, um, and that's really exciting because normally when I would think of missions, it's usually 
you know, it's like daunting and semi-unattainable. And this is definitely a lot easier to get in and be and to be present. Not just, I mean, sending money is great, um, and they definitely need that. But some, there's something about being there and seeing, and making the connection between this money did this for that kid, and you know, being able to pick that kid up and spin him around or whatever. That's it's an amazing connection. Um, the other thing I feel really strongly about is their their sponsorship program. Um, that at eight thirty three a month, um, it's something that's affordable for almost anybody. That's like don't go to Starbucks twice a month and you can sponsor a kid. Um, you know, there's there's kids down there's kids down there that were working up money to sponsor a kid, um, and it's the only program I know of that can do that. Jody, for you guys, one of the things that you reflected to us both when you were going and then also when we kept in touch when you were there is some of the challenges and things you felt like God was teaching you about this notion of like having a very firm plan versus being open to what it is that God has for you. So now coming back and reflect a little bit to us of where you're at now, what's God teaching you as you kind of begin this process of entering back into uh, the rhythms of life here in Langley. Yeah, I know we we d- definitely took a few days to um, rest up when we got um, into Canada, um, which was good for us. I know we felt emotionally tired um, coming back into a different country. Things are very very different here. The air is very fresh, um, and so we didn't really have a plan right it's away. It's very quiet too. It's very quiet here. It's very fresh. There's no pollution here, and um, and I think. We felt, in a lot of ways, extremely scared, but also, at the same time, very at peace. Um, We didn't have a plan, um, because we didn't have time to make a plan while we were down there, because we were very busy right to the very end. And so I think it was just something that we had to to let go of, um, which we're still working through. Um, So I know uh, about a week ago, it was a Thursday, and I said to Joe, we've got to do something, we've got to get our businesses going, we've got to, got to create money. And there was this anxiety of that. I had to be doing something. If you weren't doing anything in Mexico, it was okay. That's expected. But if you're in Canada, you should be do, doing something. You should be creating something. So that feeling was already creeping up. And I didn't like that I was headed there. But I think I came around and, and you know, spent a lot of time in prayer and that um, God has a plan. God will take care of us. Um, we don't know how, but something's around the corner and we feel great things happening. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but um, we are peacefully just walking day to day. We, we kind of left without a plan other than we had this magnetic draw and then being down there and getting connected in the project, you like, you know, all the pieces came together. This is why we got pulled here, right? Um, so that was, a, that was really nice to get that kind of connection that we had a, a purpose um, going there without a plan and relying on faith seemed noble and, and made more sense than coming back home without a plan and just on faith. Um, and we're still living through that, like the very practical needs of how, you know, two businesses that we haven't done anything for six months, how do you go back to, you know, actually paying your mortgage next month when your rent checks start, stop coming in? Um, and that's the stuff that we're, that we're working through. I think the difference is that would have freaked me out a lot before... Um, a lot's probably an understatement, um, is we've been through this. We've walked through this whole process of going, and 
everything's worked out and everything's been fine and there's been a plan that that has been there we've just have found and so i know it's there and we have to balance faith with action and not relying on action but sometimes you actually do need to get off your butt and do stuff and um and that yeah that's our daily life right now is trying to find that um what we feel like we have a, a chance at here is a bit of a fresh start because um you know like coming back here everything is is familiar but different right um i think our biggest we've been at my brother's place which has been remarkably comfortable and um i think going to our house will be weirder because it's ours and it's like i think that's almost going to be a bit more strange but um uh, where was i going with that (laughs) um oh yeah sorry we we have a fresh start of how we orient our life. We we spent six months in Mexico, and we were determined to change kind of the work-life balance. So we would make a point of going out to watch the sunset or going for a walk on the beach when we'd been busy doing school or something else. Um, you definitely put a lot of time into volunteering, and that was great because you feel like you had this purpose. And then you come back here, you know, sorry, down there, I felt like you could really see, like, this is kingdom work. This is God's kingdom, and you're out, and you're feeding people, and you're doing this, and you're loving people. And you come back here, and it's like, it's not as easy to see it. Um, and what we know is that we want to organize our lives differently, that, you know, I got accustomed to having a lot of time to volunteer. So, you know, we're, we're trying to restructure our lives around what's most important, uh, making sure that that... In our involvement with with people and volunteering and things like that are placed um, with equal weighting in terms of work and things like that. So, again, that's still very fluid at this point, but, um, yeah. What questions do you guys have for Daryl and Jody? Stick your hand up. I'll come around with the the mic. It might be just a pragmatic question, might be something about their experience that stuck out to you that you want to reflect back to them. Miriam. How do you see future involvement with the ministry down there? Is there a specific plan that you guys have in mind, or are you just waiting and trusting, knowing that at some point you're headed back down there for, for something? Um, I'm, I'm in a position of kind of ongoing involvement. Like, so we're just in the point of installing software. Um, every week they're going out and they basically have to go back and resurvey the kids because it wasn't really done um, in enough detailed fashion the first time. Um, so they're going out and they're doing their work, and and so we're taking that data in. Um, we had worked on the website earlier, so it's ready to go. And then the last piece of the puzzle is once we've got all the kids um, to be sponsored, you'll actually be able to go online and click through and you know pick a girl from this colonia of this age or whatever. Um, so that's that's all summer and early into the fall and that'll just be remote work. So that's like I said, I'm, I, I can't go get a 40 plus hour a week job because this is something that's at least 10 hours a week ongoing that I'm committed to. Um, we definitely see ourselves going back down. Um, 
for an extended time. Um, we don't know how much. Not likely going to be as long. Um, you know, it's a little bit easier now that we know everyone, and um, to and I feel like I could step off the plane and go to work, kind of thing. Um, so it'll probably be a much more condensed, more focused kind of thing. But um, we don't know what that <laughs> looks like at this point. Well, like I say to everyone, I honestly don't know what I'm doing in two weeks, so I really don't know what I'm doing next year. So yeah, we're just going to wait on God for that. The difference is we know priority-wise that we want to and we feel like we're supposed to, and it's just the details of it aren't, aren't clear. Um, so we're committing to do it in a soft way in terms of how long it is and what it looks like. Other questions you guys have for Daryl and Jody? Yeah. Um, one of the questions I had was, how was the language barrier as you were down there? I forgot to ask you that. You know, as, as yeah, yeah, to work. This with is them my brother, by the way. By the way, this is Scott, and and my sister-in-law and my nephew Daniel. Um, we lived in a downtown, so we were alongside the community of no a lot of Spanish, and um, while we didn't learn as much Spanish that we, that we wanted, we grew an understanding of understanding a lot of conversations better. So that was kind of nice to at least understand what they're saying. But in the same sense, if I had any regrets, I wish I knew more Spanish so that when I'm around people, like that, that man, Paton, the, the guy that, you know, he's taking to drugs, I would just, he is so interesting. I would love to sit and chat with him ask him about his life, and you just can't do that if you don't know the language, so I think that's one of the things that we really wish we would have had more of, uh, was just um, being able to sit down and, and chat with people more. So, yeah. I think the difference now, we have the motivation to learn, where before it was like, we should do this, and we tried to do it beforehand, um, where now it's like, we know why we need to do it. So, yeah, that'll be an ongoing thing, though. Fortunately, we have Patty speak Spanish, and my other sister-in-law, Monica, speaks Spanish. And Daniel's taking lessons. We have someone to practice with. Okay, Sue. I know that we have the um, project to uh, fill your pantry up, but how else can we support you guys as you reintegrate? Um, yeah, I just want to say the fill your pantry has been, it's, it's an amazing idea, whoever created it. Um, we just, we really appreciate it and we need it deeply. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess just through prayer, just... Um, just ways that we can um, just sort of rebuilding our businesses again. It'll be really um, great to be able to hear from God exactly where we're supposed to go, who we're supposed to talk to, how He wants to build our businesses. I think that's what's really important to us: is um, how do we redefine our lives and how do we structure in a way that um, is honoring to Him. So I think that's what we truly want. Um, we need to make money. We want to have fun doing it at the same time. We love people, um, so. Just if you think of us, just pray for us. And um, 
Um, or if you feel like you want to help, just, you know, take it to prayer and God will tell you how, you wanna, how he wants um, uh, you to help us. So either way, we really appreciate everyone here and, and all your prayers and any support. Yeah, I think at, at this point, it's a lot of, I, I think that there's um, like emotional support that we don't even know how to ask for, um, you know, going through that. And then the, the very obvious of, you know, very practical support, you know, until both of us being in creative-ish businesses, you're working on projects and you get paid at the end and, you know, so that kind of, that kind of thing, but. Well, I really appreciate both of you and Emily also sharing just a little bit about uh, not only the things that you did, but also the things that God taught you and continues to teach you in this process. And one of the things that Daryl and Jody kept reminding us of while uh, they were down in Mexico and challenging us as a church family was to say, you know what, this isn't about us. Like they're very, uh, it takes... (laughs) They don't even want to stand up here and do this type of thing. They keep saying, no, 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 because they're afraid that it, then it becomes something that people are like, well, I could never move to Mexico for six months and do that, so therefore, you know, must be nice and interesting for them. But I want you to hear what they're actually saying to us as a community. And one of the things that they're challenging us on is that when God speaks to you, you listen and you walk in obedience. And if you don't know all the outcomes and you don't know what the path ahead looks like, and you don't know where you'll be six months, six years, 60 years from now. None of us knows that anyways. But when God calls you to a place to step out in faith, little or big, doesn't matter what it is, then walking in obedience is the only response that makes any sense. And so we want to uh, just respond to God in that way. I'm going to ask Dan and the team if they would come and close us with one song uh, which expresses our heart of faith. And... uh, Maybe for you, you've, you're wrestling with some particular issue in your life, and you know that you know that God's asked you to do something or be faithful to him in some way, and you just say, I don't even know if I have the courage to actually do that and step out in faith in that way. And can I put you guys on the spot? Would you guys be willing to pray for people if during this song people just say, you know what, I know God wants me to do something, but I, do, I need someone to stand with me in that journey and just pray and ask that God would grow and increase my faith in that. So Daryl and Jody will be off to the side over here, and I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing this song as a song uh, really that's a prayer, and that is a prayer that invites us to step out into places where God is calling us to, not just as individuals, but as a church community as well. And so if you want to take a step of faith and you want Daryl and Jody to pray for you in that, then we just invite you to go over there. Laura and I will be over at the side here and can pray for you in that. And so when Dan and the team finish this song, then uh, you can be dismissed. Just be respectful of those who want to continue in worship and continue responding to God uh, in that way. And so this song will form our closing prayer as a community. And so I'd invite you to engage and worship as the Lord puts it on your heart.